0: Wait a minute, wait a minute.
1: Rolling Don't look gas. at me! Ah. <laughs> Is it going to be all
0: right? Hello, and welcome to All Through Lat.
1: This is a podcast about film photography, where we discuss a little more than just film photography. I'm Vanya.
0: And I'm Eric. On this episode, we're talking to Jenny Sampson, tintypist and author of Skater Girls. We'll also be taking a good long look at disposable cameras from the very first in 1886 to the very last to be released by Kodak in the near future. Hmm. Apparently, the future is disposable as well. We'll also share some news from Shanghai and Orwo, as well as talk a bit about whatever the hell we've been up to and the answering machine and a couple of zine reviews. It's a whole bunch of stuff.
1: But first, let's check in with Eric, my lovely co-host who I have not seen in so, so long. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it has been a while, hasn't it?
1: It's been about an hour and a half, I think, since wow. we've...
0: That's a personal record.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Goodness gracious.
1: So what have you been up to?
0: Well, I'm kind of in preparation of doing things. That's a word, right? That's how you say things. Those are words. Let me guess. Yeah. Making a zine. I'm sure I've made a zine. I'm sure I've done that. I, did I, you go
1: to Eastern Washington? <laughs> I, have I? I don't. No, I have.
0: Yeah, I did a, um, I did a day trip. <laughs>
1: Was that that was thanks? actually a joke. I didn't actually think that you went, but now that I think about it, you did go. Since
0: the last time we recorded, yeah, I think I did. <laughs> yeah, uh, on a Thanksgiving mm. trip. And I'm I'm looking at, uh, I think I, th- I shot seven or eight rolls, and I'm kind of looking at them thinking, maybe there's something here. Maybe there's a zine here. It was a beautiful day. It was one of, another nice. just amazing cloud day. Mm. But Very I'm also cool. thinking to a bit of the future, I guess. Future, like, as what I'm going to do over the winter. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of thinking of night shooting a little bit.
1: <gasps> don't steal my thunder!
0: You did invent night shooting, and I want to give you all the props.
1: Just messing around. That's awesome. So, are you thinking downtown Seattle, like that kind of stuff, or like what kind of nighttime shooting are we? Are we I speaking don't know. Of? I don't
0: want to go downtown. I, I I just don't like downtown. But I don't know. There's a few people here who. I'd like to fall in with, I guess, and you know, shoot with them.
1: Oh, okay, like walk around like with people.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Why okay. not? That's cool. That's sort of weird for me.
1: That is very weird for you, yeah. but kind of exciting. I can't wait to hear more about it. It is, and I, I am getting ready for a larger zine
0: project, and I think this is gonna be a big one. This is gonna be the one I've talked about before with like everybody who orders one to a certain point gets a, a free negative and that negative appears somewhere in the zine the mm-hmm. photo from that negative. It's an original negative. I got a UV lamp
1: Ooh. to
0: make uh, contact print cyanotypes from that Neat. very negative. And everybody who has that negative will also have a cyanotype. It's kind of a big old project. The cover's gonna be screen printed, just like one color. It's not. Like, I'm not going crazy here, but it's uh, about 88 pages, 90 pages, somewhere in there, perfect bound. It's a, it's an ordeal. It will be the 10th issue of Conspiracy of Cartographers.
1: Hmm. Yeah, neat.
0: I think so. I like how thorough you are. It's very nice. How thorough I am? Like Henry David? Yes, absolutely. Huh. Well, that explains the cabin. How about you?
1: Ah, uh, I fucking hate this time of year. <laughs> really? I yes. I, okay. I love it and hate it at the same time. Okay. Um, I like it because it gets colder and the beach is empty, so that's nice. Sure. If I could go to the beach, but I have not been going. You
0: um, have not. You mm-mm. keep saying, "Hey, I'm going to go surfing," and then you do not go surfing.
1: I'm on. I'm on a dry spell. I think it's been like two, three weeks now, uh, maybe yeah. even longer.
0: Yeah, I don't think you've surfed since the last time we've we've recorded. Yeah. What's it up?
1: Sucks. Yeah, I don't know. I just go, getting down on myself a little bit. Yeah, does Uh, a little bit in a creative slump and just feeling too busy with work and life and taxes are coming up and I have I'm trying to get like you know medical insurance for like my whole crew and we just paid their bonuses and rah (laughs) trying to pay my credit cards off you know by the end of the year and yeah it's I just don't like. That there's like an end of the year in the middle of the year. I just wish it would be like a, in June or something. I don't know.
0: <laughs> when, wait, you don't like that there's a middle of the year and the end of the year, and you wish one of those would come in June? One of those does come in
1: June. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I guess I mean it like a typical school year starts in September. Oh, I and see. ends in June. And that's kind of like, a, you know. The start and stop of, like, year, and then summer doesn't... You know, summer's just summer.
0: The podcast has that same schedule now.
1: Yeah, it does. So, everything should be on podcast schedule, basically. It's like Zulu time, you know? It should just be what it is. It's... It's... it's,
0: Yes, I suppose that's what that is.
1: Oh, also, Mm -hmm. I... Have another thing to complain about?
0: (laughs) Thank God,
1: (laughs) it's okay. I'm actually in a really good mood. (laughs) It's all about me, so it's okay, right?
0: Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Go on, tell me.
1: Um. Well, Mm -hmm. it's fallback, right? And like the time changed and whatever.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. I
1: I have had a serious bout of um, insomnia for several months now okay. and I cannot get out of it. So my sleeping schedule is completely off and I would really, really, really like to, <laughs> to wake up at like five or six in the morning mm-hmm. again and not like I've been, I woke up today around 10 o'clock. Yeah. Like a 20 year old.
0: <laughs> well, you did sort of, you woke up around 730 mm-hmm. and we talked for a little bit and yes. i had all of these ideas and i'd oh can i, I want to run this by you oh i want to run this by you and you just stopped talking and i'm like are you there and you said i don't think i can be what you need right now <laughs> i'm gonna go back to bed
1: <laughs> i was being honest you were being
0: honest and i do appreciate I wanted to your listen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh okay well i'm alive now it's six I'll probably be up for another five or six hours too, and then go to sleep and then wake back up and like everybody's posts on Instagram at like three o'clock in the morning. So stay tuned.
0: For some reason, each episode, we apparently put on our house slippers, which is something I don't have. And cozy okay, cardigan- I don't
1: understand how you don't understand this. This is okay, explore- literally the beginning.
0: Of, of the beginning of what?
1: Of um. Of what? The guy. The guy. Yeah, the neighborhood guy.
0: Uh, Mr. Rogers? Yes. No.
1: It, oh it, my God, he comes inside, he takes off his coat, puts it away, yeah. he takes his shoes off, puts his house slippers on, They're puts not his house cardigan slippers. on. They're
0: sneakers.
1: They're Keds. Okay, well he has house slippers You can, they're house keds, whatever house most people take off their outside shoes and put on, so I guess yeah, I mean, inside shoes, I, I don't I know I take why, off but... my
0: outside shoes, I don't wear shoes in the house, I'm not, a, I'm not an animal
1: okay, the introduction to um, Mr. Rogers yeah,
0: Mr. Rogers Yeah, that's, sorry, that's it's who been a it long
1: time um, that's the introduction that's why we say that
0: Vanya, I like you just the way you are Each episode, we put on our house keds and our cozy cardigans, zip them up all the way and zip them down about half just to be comfortable and check our answering machine, which is something Mr. Rogers does not have. We ask our listeners to call in and leave us a message answering whatever weird-ass question we came up with. And this episode's weird-ass question really tickled us. (laughs) What is it?
1: Why do you, have, I, I just don't want you to say tickle ever again.
0: Could I say it in the tickle tent? <laughs> no. <laughs> I guess just poke my head out of the tickle
1: tent. No, tickle, stop tickle. it. Okay. All right. The question was, yes. which fictional character would you replace one or both of us with?
0: I get the opportunity to edit these, uh, these answers. and I, I haven't heard them. <laughs> I love every single one of you <laughs> so much.
1: Yay! I'm so excited! Vanya, we got a will lot.
0: You, will you do us the favor? <gasps> Push the button. Push the button.
1: I'm
2: so sorry you have just reached my answering machine.
0: I'm not in at present, I'm sure you know this whole routine. Hi, Vanya and Eric. To be fair, it's two characters of my favorite movie and the best movie of all time, Back to the Future uh i can totally see eric as doc and vanya as marty especially their relationship like yours and in you know the first movie the 1955 doc doesn't know the expressions used in 1985 from marty especially the word heavy he does not understand when marty used heavy for the gravity of the situation so he always asks why heavy why is there something wrong with the weight of the people and all that stuff Do you think this is accurate?
1: oh my gosh, that's hilarious. I love that i wouldn't I would have never thought of that one and we totally did back to the future. I take
0: I mean I guess i'm I'm the doc Brown in this situation here, and I get some of that. but wasn't doc Brown like super disorganized and all over the place? He may have been <laughs> smart and i'm I'm obviously smart.
1: Hmm. I don't know. How would you be that do you think
0: i'm I don't think I'm a doc More- Brown? I guess Marty, but I don't know that I'm Marty either.
1: Marty's dad for sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That really was me in school. I even had to stand up to a bully.
1: Did you? Yeah. Aww. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. I had to. I had to, actually had to punch somebody in the face.
1: How'd that go? I was go? in like
0: sixth grade. Yeah, You kept you kept bothering me, and I said, "Travis." Travis, if you push me again, I'm going to punch you right in the face. (laughs) And he pushed me. And so I punched, I was like, I was like, you know, like three foot two or something. And I punched up and I hit him right in the nose. And he said, Eric, you hit me. I'm like, well, yeah, you keep picking on me. And that was it. And that that whole thing, you stamp the bullies and they, they back down. I don't know if that always works, but it definitely worked in my case.
1: Yeah, it usually does.
0: Yeah, and it worked with Biff. It did. It did. Yeah.
2: <laughs> hey, guys, I'd choose not to replace you with anybody, but if I had to,
0: I'd replace Fanya with Nancy Drew and Eric with Sherlock Holmes.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I I dig that. Yeah, me too.
0: There's something that I've always just found. I've been kind of fascinated with with Nancy Drew.
1: Yeah, I think you, you know? should get the red hair, and I will be Sherlock Holmes. Though, I think we should just like do the old switcheroo on that. You know? Okay. Yeah, I don't think I'm, I'm definitely not as clever as
0: Sherlock Holmes. I don't have my shit together like he does. I am definitely more of a Watson,
1: mm.
0: and I'm okay with that. I don't. Th- I mean, yeah, it's like being, uh, you know, it, it's second banana, but. Watson is kind of the Samwise of the duo.
1: Mm-hmm. The Robin to the Batman.
0: No, I'm not Robin, though. <laughs> He's useless. He's, there's no point in Robin. There's absolutely no point in him. Hey, guys, I wanted to take a moment and uh, wish you all a happy holiday break and whatnot. I wanted to jokingly say you guys are like the Dr. Bunsen and Beaker, um, the running Snippy, if you will, but you guys are like Something completely different. And anyways, nah, I hope none of that comes off the wrong way. I love you guys. And uh have a great <laughs> holiday break. Uh Eli says hi too. Cheers. Hi Eli.
1: Beep beep beep. Would you
0: Would you be Beaker?
1: Obviously.
0: Yeah, yeah, you kinda really are.
1: You kinda look like Bunsen a little. <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> you
0: fucking serious? It's so mean.
1: I mean, look at Beaker. You think I look like him?
0: I mean, I wasn't going to say anything.
1: I mean, I'm down with the hair. It's kind of cool. He's got my nose for sure. And my mouth.
0: (laughs) I just kind of figured
1: that all public personas are fictional to some extent. You guys are a great double act. I wouldn't trade you for Laurel and Hardy. Though, as I was looking for examples of famous double acts came across Cheech and Chong and I thought as long as you guys keep making good episodes and you call back Dave from the Victorian photo studio Cheech and Chong could be a good replacement
0: well Dave's not here (laughs) I guess I don't see the Cheech I I mean I love Cheech and Chong I grew up on Cheech and
1: Chong yes amazing
0: I don't know if I see Cheech and Chong in
1: us necessarily I can see a little Cheech in me for sure I mean I would I mean haven't I sent you like lowriders before like I'm gonna get this Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like one of my favorite, like when he puts a little fuzzy balls and he has like he you know the chain <laughs> the, the chain wheel ah so good. <laughs> I'm fucking but like one that. of them,
0: there was it, they were a really strange duo <laughs> because like usually like in, like you mentioned Laurel and Hardy, one's the straight man and one's the funny man. Mm-hmm. You know, even like Ren and Stimpy, one is the straight man, one's the funny man.
1: Yeah.
0: Chung didn't really do that.
1: No, they didn't.
0: No. I mean, even in like the skits that they had, No one, one, one of them wasn't the straight man and one was the funny man. That, that didn't, didn't really do that at all.
1: Am I the straight man in this? Yeah, you're always the straight man. Really? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe I don't even know who I am. <laughs> Whoa. Hi, Eric and Vanya. Uh, of course, I wouldn't replace either one of you, but just to play along, and since it is the holiday season, let's go with Kevin's friend from the park from Home Alone to she seemed really nice. Uh, she saved Kevin from the Sticky Bandits and given her connection with the pigeons, maybe she could kick off the new pigeon photographer renaissance. Uh, hope y'all are doing well.
0: When Kevin got stung by all those bees and then died at the end of the movie, it was really sad.
1: That was not the same movie, silly. Oh. That was oh. um, My Girl. Okay. That was a really sad movie. Is I there a My Girl too? Yes, there is. How? I don't know, but My Girl is like legendary. I don't know one girl that saw that movie and was like, I need a fucking pair of overalls. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> uh, and the banana she got the banana seat bike too, I'm pretty sure. Oh, that movie was just amazing.
0: Yeah. And have you seen you've seen Veep, the show Veep?
1: Mm-hmm. She's in it.
0: She's amazing in it. She is. Utterly amazing. Anyway, I've never seen Home Alone 2 or Home Alone 1.
1: That is ridiculous. Um, Our 45th president is in the movie.
0: (laughs) Oh, well, not (laughs) Um, in Europe, he's not.
1: (laughs) The bird lady is a character I feel like is in a lot of different movies, like (laughs) Feed the Birds, Puffins. What is that? Um,
0: Mary Poppins?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's. I, I feel like a, there's always like a bird character in movies. Is Julie
0: Andrews in Home Alone two? No. Oh, okay. I wish I would have seen Home Alone two.
1: We can I watch it will, for though. Christmas. Maybe we oh, can no. do a watch party. Do you have a Christmas movie that you go for? Yes.
0: What's your go to Christmas movie? Yes. A, a Christmas Story. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Okay. That's fair. It's, I mean, it's it's standard, but what an amazing movie!
1: No, it's great.
0: Uh, mine is Shop Around the Corner.
1: I haven't seen that.
0: Jimmy Stewart.
1: Oh, okay. Gotcha. I thought, I was like, oh, Little Shop of Horrors is a good one. I don't know if it's a Christmas movie, though. It
0: is not a Christmas movie, oddly (laughs) enough. It's strange. A giant plant that eats everybody and destroys the world. (laughs) Very Christmassy.
1: (laughs) It's so good. Hey, guys. You want to say gay? Colin Martin As At first, I wasn't going to answer this because I wouldn't change you guys for anything in the world. But then I, this morning I got an epiphany about Tintin and Captain Haddock, that'd be great. Anyway, thanks for a great year. Take care guys, bye. Oh my gosh, I haven't heard from him in so long. I know, it's
0: been forever. Thank you for calling in, it's been so, so long. Now, your reference to Tintin and Captain Haddock, most Americans are not going to get that. And mm. I think I only get it because I, I owned a bookstore at one point and we had a ton of Tintin books there.
1: Mm.
0: They, it was a, was it French? Belgium? Anyway, it was a uh, a comic strip of some kind or similar, like a, an illustrated book. And Tintin was this little guy with a little dog and they went on adventures and Captain Haddock was this kind of, um, a, kind of like a Bluto character, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't know which one of us is the Bluto character. I'm assuming you.
1: (laughs) I mean, I got the hat on, so.
0: (laughs) You do? I have a very Captain
1: Haddock hat on. (laughs) (laughs) I'm all about, like... (laughs) See, even when we're talking about it, I'm like, oh, dude, okay, Sherlock, I can do this. Pipe, you know? Like, I just...
0: You're into accessories when it comes to... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get it. I get it. So... I feel like this is a weird question of do you give the right answer which the first one that comes to mind is uh, Oscar Madison and Felix Unger from the odd couple um, or do you give what you would like to see um, I'd love to see uh, Bob Ross and um, I don't know let's say uh, Rizzo from the pink ladies from Greece I think that'd make a great show. And I know Bob Ross is a real person, but come on, he's a caricature. Um, anyway, love the show. Bye, guys. I think in some ways we are Oscar and Felix, but I think in other ways we have aspects of both of them.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: Yeah, and I don't think, and I, but I still think we have such separate aspects of both of them that we still would be odd couple. hmm You know? You yeah, are...
1: I don't know how you deal with me on a day. I, like honestly, as of right now, it's been a daily basis because we're we've been working a lot.
0: It's always on a daily basis. We, I don't think there's don't been a know, yeah. day in like years when I haven't talked to you.
1: Oh, uh, when I have no reception, when I go out of town. Okay, that's,
0: that's very it. very rare. Yeah, it's incredible. So rare.
1: yeah, okay. So every day. I mean, we're literally <laughs> the odd couple. We are. Yes, hundred percent. Because like, you
0: are very, you're very clean, and I wouldn't say organized, but you're very, you 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 clean a lot. You keep a very nice house. I work in piles. I'm a little more cluttery than you are. And so in that way, I'm a little more Oscar than you are. But what do you think of Bob Ross? If if to take over a show or our show, if Bob Ross and Rizzo were to host a podcast, I would I would listen to that.
1: Oh, fuck yeah. All damn day. She's, okay. So I have something to admit. I've never actually seen like the entirety of Greece, but I know who she Nobody is. I've does. seen her, I've seen her, I've seen like her, her whole deal and she, yeah, she's kind of promiscuous, um, a little bit more direct, not so goody two-shoe, I guess. I'm kind of into it. She's badass. She is. Rizzo's pretty She's a badass
2: Hi there, this is Mike Crawford over in London town Um, That Instagram thing is Mike Crawford underscore Lighthouse And your question made me suddenly think of The marvellous Keris Matthews and her Welsh band Catatonia And I think the lyric went something like Things are getting strange, I'm starting to worry This could be a case for Mulder and Scully So there you are, keep up the good work
1: Uh, I'm going to consider, I don't know if I'm (laughs) Mulder or Scully but Oh I do I'm going to say that this is a... Uh, oh, really? Go ahead. Tell me.
0: Uh, you are definitely more molder than I am. <laughs> much, much more molder. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very much Scully.
1: <laughs> She's so sexy.
0: <laughs> and that's why I'm Scully.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Uh. Did you see her in Hannibal?
0: Yes. Saw her in Hannibal. She was wonderful in Hannibal. Saw her in The Great and... Holy shit. Amazing and the great.
1: I think I've done like two episodes of the second season. So oh, we-
0: you need to watch it.
1: I know. I'm so excited.
0: This is Jamie Maldonado. I like both of you and I really wouldn't want to replace either one of you, except for maybe for comedic effect. But it would be a lot of fun if you were both Muppets.
1: Yes, 100%. I know who they are, too. I know what oh, they are.
0: I was going to ask, which which Muppets which Muppet would you be?
1: um okay so i'm really bad with names but these guys i think about all the time Uh they're in the theater they're up in the
0: stator settler and waldorf
1: fucking a yeah oh my god they're my favorite of course the best
0: so which who would you be one of them
1: yeah i mean obviously the one that makes the jokes (laughs) oh oh that guy are we both them for sure well who are you
0: um scooter (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes! Oh my God! You know
0: I kind of make shit go.
1: Oh shit! Yeah, I'm not maybe really like in charge. Scooter... But
0: I kind of make things work.
1: Yeah. yeah, maybe a little Oscar the Grouch too. He's though. not a Just Muppet. Just like a tad bit. He's not.
0: He's on Sesame Street.
1: He's not a Muppet.
0: Where did you draw the line? <laughs> I mean, to me, Muppets have to be on the Muppet Show.
1: I mean, how about how about the 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 old lady and the dark crystal that takes her eye right. out? How about that could be me? Is is that a Muppet? <laughs> she's a Muppet. Is she a Muppet? And Jim Henson. And no, she's definitely made Jim her. Henson. Yeah. So I don't. I really I don't. I guess know. I I would
0: take the Muppets to be if they appeared on the Muppet Show.
1: Okay, so Muppet Show. Gotcha. Uh, animal, hundred percent. I've always loved like that was my nickname when I was a kid because I was. Absolutely insane, bouncing off the walls, tumbling. Anybody that I meet from my past mm-hmm. who knew me as a kid, they'd mm-hmm. be like, oh yeah, little Vanya, you were like fucking tumbling all over the place, doing backflips and shit. I'm like, yeah, that's that was me. Since
0: this is our, I guess, mid-season finale or the last episode before the winter break, we don't have a question coming up for next episode. We will let you know what that is via the social media Instagram when it happens so i guess stay tuned but stay tuned to dev party because we will give our own answers whatever they might be
1: all right well today we have a little tiny bit of news kind of, kind of. um a bit yeah so Two film companies, one from China and one from Orwo.
0: Germany. I
1: don't know where Orwo is. Shit. It's from Germany. Okay. Okay. So Shanghai and Orwo. I was perusing the sites. I think we were just looking for color film. Honestly, I think we were having conversations about color film, I and think then so. I ended up ordering a bunch of Shanghai. It's true,
0: and we both noticed something going on with both of their websites, yep. and there seems to be movement. On both Shanghai and Orwo's end,
1: it's kinda Yes. kind of cool.
0: I think Shanghai retooled their emulsion mm-hmm. from being an incredibly horrible emulsion to hopefully something good. And and did you, you bought some, right?
1: I did. I got uh, several different things. I have some Shanghai Light. Mm-hmm. It's four hundred color negative thirty five millimeter film. So I got ten rolls of that.
0: I would love to know what that actually is.
1: Well, that's why I got 10, because I figured I would throw one your way or something okay. to try if you want. The The website is still, in, is still in the works. It looks like they're still adding things to it. Uh, I got some 220 because, holy shit, someone's making 220. This is amazing. Yeah. This is like my life here. So I'm, I got to support 10 rolls of that. Boom, done. One... <laughs> Then I ordered five rolls of their 200T Vision 3 and five rolls of their 500 T and N120. So really excited. Now
0: that that would definitely be Kodak. Yes.
1: There's having a little bit of a sale right now. So if you guys check it out, uh, yeah, it is coming, you know, obviously from overseas, but uh, the price is pretty good. And I just want to try something new and something a little different. So uh, speaking of something a little different, if you look on their website, they have a film tab, and it's black and white film, and then there's sheet film, color negative film, slide transparency film, color sheet film, which I don't think they have any in yet. Yeah, it's empty right now. But they have a tab for it. They have a tab for the movie film, which is that 120 that I got. They have that in 35 and 120. And then lastly, there's a tab that says instant film. So there's nothing in there right now. But interesting.
0: It is. I would love to know what they're doing with that. Like, what's that about? Yeah. Instant film. Yeah. Is it? Is it yeah, I don't yeah, know. No idea.
1: Okay, so I will say they have like a camera section, too, and they have a disposable camera and they are selling some. They have a Tudor uh, disposable and a Fujifilm and a Kodak Mm -hmm. and stuff. So maybe they're just going to offer some instant film that is from Polaroid or Fuji or whatever. But I mean, a girl can dream, right? (laughs) (laughs) She
0: can. So on the Orwo front, I've shot Orwo for years and years I love the UN 54. It was my favorite emulsion in, like, favorite, I guess, faster emulsion. I think it's 100 speed in black and white. They do make it in 120 now. They sell it through one of the Potsdam, I think it is, in Lomo. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's the same stuff. And I'm excited about that. But the news uh, well, I'm just looking on the website now. And apparently there's a brand new black and white film coming out soon. So <gasps> there's that. And that just, I don't even know if they've announced They obviously didn't announce what it is yet, but they have that, the announcement of the announcement. But they're also confirming that they're going to be making color film in 2022. Now this is going to be motion picture film because Orwo is a motion picture film company, but it is new color film. They are making it in eight millimeter. So cool, 16 millimeter.
1: Oh my gosh, how exciting. 35
0: millimeter. And 65 millimeter or 72 millimeter, which means- Shut up. 120 film very potentially. Yeah. So, and maybe Lomo will handle that. I don't know. There's no, no way to know any of that, but that's yeah, pretty cool. Is. This is a brand new color film. This isn't like rebranded. This isn't, you know, a color film that's been like weirdly retouched or something. This is mm-hmm. just new film.
1: Amazing. Yeah. Have you seen their building, a picture of their building? The
0: Orwell building? I have
1: not. Yeah. It's so cool. Okay. If you guys haven't seen it, go to orwo.family and you will see their beautiful building. I will link it for you, Eric, so you can see okay. it. Uh, and and then for
0: the news on Orwo, it is orwo.wtf. I don't know why. What the but
1: fuck? Good for them. Are you serious? I am.
0: Maybe it's Amazing. what in the film.
1: <gasps> That's even better. That's like a segment right there. What the film?
0: <laughs> I love the Orwo. What the F? I love the Orwo building.
1: Is that yeah, it great? It's pretty wonderful.
0: There's like it looks like a regular building, but there is different film stock built into it, and mm-hmm. pretty fun. Pretty fun. Yes. So you have some Shanghai film on order. Yes. Has not arrived yet, and I have something on order that well has not arrived yet. It's coming from Kazakhstan, and I'm not pronouncing that right, and I apologize to all our Kazakhstanian listeners. Remember on a few dev parties ago, we did the camera exchange, right? And my complaint with the Hasselblad, and really the only complaint was, you only had an eye-level viewfinder for it, the prism finder, Mm -hmm. and I hated it. It just didn't work for me. I'm a very much a waist-level guy. But to buy a waist-level finder for a Hasselblad is kind of expensive. It's about $250 for a good one.
1: Oh, I was going to say is it like I don't know, 1500?
0: <laughs> it is not 1500 <laughs> nor is it 400 or 500. It is oh, about okay, 250, maybe 300 if you want to spend a lot mm-hmm. of money
1: on it, and I didn't. Oh. So, well, yeah, because it's not even your camera technically, it's mine. That's true. But it seems to me like I'm probably not getting it back anytime soon. What?
0: <laughs> so, I didn't buy a Hasselblad one. I wanted one that worked. I don't care about names. I don't care about keeping it whatever. I bought a Kiev.
1: Oh. What do you mean? Like uh the viewfinder's a Kiev, the Kiev
0: 88. Kiev 88 huh. parts, I guess some of them or a good chunk of them fit regular Hasselblad 500 series. Including like huh. the more like the 530 or whatever the newer ones are, all of them. So you don't have to drop like $400, $500 on a waste level finder, just because you can. You can, if you're trying to save money for whatever reason, you can spend, I think I spent $50 shipped from Eastern Europe.
1: It makes sense. Yeah. It's basically the same camera. They were camera. very much a rip
0: off of it, yeah. Uh, it's one of those things that you just need to know sometimes. If there's a cheaper way of doing the same thing, it's just, it's just worth it. I don't care about keeping a camera pure or whatever. I, don't, I just want to take pictures. I don't care about that.
1: That camera that you have is Franken. Oh, sure. That camera is pieced together. Mm-hmm. It is not, <laughs> it's not. So th- with having a Kiev top to it, it's, it's fucking perfect, it is. honestly. It makes the most it sense. It makes the camera. It's got some more character it to it. It
0: certainly does. And I know all of this because of a listener who call who and uh, call in, this isn't that kind of thing. He wrote, wrote us saying, hey, uh, Kiev eighty eight viewfinders do work with Hasselblads. That's it. It's always in the linked one. And I, I clicked on the link and I was like, fuck, buying it. And I bought it. So when it nice. arrives, I will report back, I guess, next next half of the season and and show you all just how awesome Dan Tree is for yeah. hooking me up like that. I appreciate that. Is
1: there a fine focus on it too?
0: Yes, yes there is.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. cool. Nice.
0: We both recently discovered Jenny Samsung through stumbling upon her book Skater Girls, filled with tintype portraits of skater girls. Then we realized we briefly met at Policon in San Francisco right before the pandemic hit.
1: Jenny is a third generation Californian, has been shooting film from an early age, and has spent the last decade or so making 10 types of skateboarders. She's also the board president of the East Bay Photo Collective and is a member of the Rolls and Tubes Collective. There's a whole lot to unpack here, so let's give Jenny a call.
2: Hi, sorry. <laughs> I to get up here. <laughs>
1: Hi. Hello. How are you?
2: <laughs> Good. Awesome. <laughs> so yeah, where do you wanna um begin?
0: Well, we've got the questions, so let's let us begin. You started all of that with photography and developing and printing your own work in middle school. Yeah. Did, how, how important was that early foundation to your photography?
2: Maybe I take it for granted. I don't even think about it. Photography to me is the dark room. It's the negatives. It's the paper. It's the smells. It's all of that. Um, and it's also the taking of the pictures. But when I think of photography, um, that is really kind of what I think about. And that's what I love. Also, because I learned chemistry on that level at a young age and it's pretty basic it's not that big of a deal but you're still mixing chemicals in graduated cylinders and diluting with water and putting it in a tray i learned very at a young age to handle chemistry and to measure and pour and it sounds like also a very basic thing but when i was in my 20s in Seattle I tutored a either a high school I think a high school student in chemistry or in photography Mm -hmm. and I um was showing her how to pour chemistry and she would just go block like (laughs) pour it really quick and it would splatter and I was like thinking to myself don't you know how to pour (laughs) you know like it was such a basic thing to me I mean I, I cooked with my mom and she taught me how to like you know, blend things together too. But Mm -hmm. because I learned all that at such a young age, I think um, it just made a lot of things easy to me and just kind of part of life. Mm
1: -hmm. Tin types and wet plate in general are most easily shot in studio. What draws you to shooting them outside and why is it worth the extra work, you think?
2: Yeah, it's amazing. Like, Mm -hmm. in some ways... I'm just making my life a lot more trouble than. But um, I think really at the core is, I really prefer to shoot with natural light. When I learned how to make tintypes, I was switching from a camera that I walk around with to a you know a view camera where you need mm-hmm. a tripod, you need all this stuff. Even if I was just shooting film with those large format cameras, that's a lot of work. You can't just want, I mean, you can wander around, but it's a pain in the ass and, and those cameras can be really heavy and it's really slow and it really wasn't how I wanted to photograph, how I wanted to make pictures. Um, Mm -hmm. but I also like, I didn't have a studio, I didn't have lights, when I learned how to make tintypes, I did learn in the studio and I did some family portraits with lights. When Michael Schindler, who taught me how to make tintypes at Reiko, when he set up the lights, everything was perfect. Mm. And I would try to remember where he put everything and how he set everything up. And this was, I think, before I had a smartphone or anything that you could easily just like take little pictures, snapshots of. Mm -hmm. But I, I just tried... And also my memory was a little better. (laughs) Um, I tried to remember like where he placed the cameras, where the reflectors were or not cameras, sorry, lights and all that. And when I did it, my portraits were so fucked up. Like (laughs) for whatever reason, it just like, I didn't want to invest in all the lighting on top of the camera Mm -hmm. and everything like that. Like for me, If you're using lights, then you can't wander around and make tintypes because Mm -hmm. you are dependent on the lights. I wanted to be dependent on the sun. I knew that I wanted to be able to wander around, go anywhere and make Mm tintypes. The chemistry component, you know, this just made it that much more amazing to to see it developing in the way that tintypes develop. Whatever amount of equipment and time it took, it didn't matter to me because it was it was so fun and it was so cool and it was it just it didn't matter mm. like it didn't matter at all the lights where you need electricity and you need all those lights or you need to rent them it just was like this is way too hard I don't want to be dependent on batteries or electricity. And that was the same with film, yeah. you know, with my Hasselblad, like that is such a fantastic camera. You know, it is just, it it's such a beautiful camera, the sound that it makes, it's just a, this mechanical thing, you don't need any batteries, you don't need yeah. anything, you just need your film. And mm-hmm. that's, it. and that's, that's really what I like, I like to be dependent on the light, the sun, and then like the mechanics of the camera, but I don't want to deal with electricity. Or yeah.
1: You've been making uh, 10 types of, of skaters at skate parks uh, for over a decade now. Um, and that's actually like pretty major dedication. Um, what initially drew you to the skate parks?
2: When I was living in Seattle, I was living in Lower Queen Anne near oh, Memorial okay. um, Stadium and Tower Records. Mm-hmm. Um, this is before the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation building was there. Mm-hmm. There was a skate park there and I would ride my bike to work and I'd ride by the the skate park and there were always a bunch of skaters there. This is early, mid nineties. So an era of skateboarding that was a bit intimidating. Um, I wasn't a skater. My boyfriend wasn't a skater. I, I wasn't part of that scene at all, but the kind of photography, the kind of portraiture that I was making at the time was very focused on gesture and posture. Um, I would truncate people. It, they were not traditional portraits like like I do now with Tintype. And I remember riding by that skate park thinking I would love to – it was packed all the time. And I was like, God, I would love to go in there and just shoot and have nobody pay any attention to me and me just photograph them, just like them being themselves, truncated, kind of whatever. But I was – I was absolutely too shy like I was intimidated I was shy like I didn't know how to just walk up there and say hey can I just hang out and shoot <laughs> I just didn't know how to do that but in the back of my head you know I I remember thinking like one day I'm gonna do it and I have to practice asking strangers to photograph them so that was kind of where the seed was planted that was literally in like 94 95 96. 2010 in January, I was driving home. This is in Berkeley. I was avoiding traffic. I turn off the main route and I see this skate park in Berkeley. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even know there was a skate park there. I had not even thought about skaters or skateboarding or anything. Like I had kind of forgotten about it for a while, but I was like, oh, I think I'm going to go to that skate park and um, set up Mm -hmm. and just see what happens. And my housemate came with me. She's like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just gonna set it up and ask somebody if I can take a picture. I was like, I don't know, but I knew that like I was distracting myself from like that insecurity mm-hmm. by needing to set up this um this box and this four by five view camera, which I had only used at home. Um I was still like just trying to figure things out. I had done tons of still lives at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I was using my basement as the dark room. I didn't have a portable dark room yet. Anyway, so I went there. I ended up making like six or seven portraits. And I was I, I, immediately I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think I, I think these are really good. <laughs> and I think I need to make more.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's how it started. And then I started really spending a lot of time at skate parks, still Mm -hmm. very intimidated and shy, Mm -hmm. still really not, not educated about the scene at Mm -hmm. all. And I just spent a lot of time and was watching and observing and asking if I could photograph people when appropriate, you know, and really just observing for hours and hours and hours. And then I was like, God, this is way cooler than I thought there were, all these stereotypes, negative stereotypes about skaters. I was like, fuck all that. That's such bullshit. You know, Mm -hmm. like this is an amazing, like an amazing group of people.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I would like to ask you how important is sequencing uh, when laying out your books? How do you select which photos come before others or do you?
2: So I'm a Libra, (laughs) which means, um, in case you're not sure, I have a really hard time making decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, don't give me more options. I don't want them. Like, I want limited options. So in terms of editing, it's very hard. What I ended up doing for both of them, well, not so much the girls, but maybe I kind of put them in in um, alphabetical order.
0: <laughs> oh, interesting.
2: Nice. I like um, that. That's how it started. And then from there, I moved some around Mm -hmm. if they didn't work right. I feel like I should have gotten help with the editing and the ordering for skaters. But at the time, it kind of sounds crazy. I just didn't know how to go about asking somebody to help me edit them. Mm -hmm. And I did work with the designer. And she and I would talk about stuff. And she'd like lay them out. And I'd be like, yeah, that doesn't work. Or I have to have this one and it's not there or, you know, like that. So yeah. it was really hard to edit down. And she and I would talk about stuff a lot. And then for the set for skater girls. Um, so skater girls came out in the pen, in the in the shelter in place, right in the middle of COVID in oh. October of 2020, my last shoot for skater girls was on March 1st of 2020. Wow. I was planning to do one or two more. But of course I couldn't, I was in a different place and I really did want to ask some people for help. But at the time when that was going on, that was in the first few months of the pandemic. And it really felt like too much to ask of certain people because of the time. This time I printed, like I made big um, 20 by 30 prints from Costco and I had, I made four by five. A grid of the girls on a 20 by 30 sheet at Costco, mm-hmm. of like everything that I might want to put in, which was like definitely twice as many, maybe three times as many that could go in the book. Yeah. I cut them all up and I just started placing them on my dining room table and seeing what <laughs> needed to go. Um, I love that. <laughs> nice.
0: Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot.
2: And then I did invite a friend over who whose opinion I trusted. She's also a photographer, Mm -hmm. photographing people for decades. I got her opinion and, and, and so I was like, okay, so that helped me rule some out. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And then I just, I just kept working it. I'd take one out. I would put it back in like that.
1: I like the idea that like starting at, even if you, you know, even if it's just, like, in the beginning, okay, let's do it alphabetical, and then you're switching, at least it's a start. Yeah. You have somewhere to start, because I think starting a project or starting, like, to lay out a project is so hard. Like, which yeah. ones do you pick? Like, it's overwhelming.
0: So the Skater book you shot in 4 by 5 Yeah. But then you graduated to 8 by 10 for yeah. Skater Girl. Do you feel the extra work and the extra chemicals were, were worth that? Oh, yeah. Really? Okay.
2: I hadn't looked at my skater book for a long time. And right before, like while I was working on the skater girl book last year, I looked through the skater book and I was like, God, I haven't seen this in a while. And I really loved them. They're really different. Mm -hmm. They're very different from the skater girls. Mm -hmm. And it is partly the camera and it's, it's partly the lens. It's it's so it's equipment and it, but it's also like, where was I shooting? Who was I shooting with? The girl stuff was like really intense because I would go to events that were um, girl skater centric. Mm-hmm. And so there would be like waiting lists and I would have an assistant helping me and mm-hmm. it was super nuts. Um, so I was shooting very differently and sometimes very quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And with the guy or not the guys, but with the skaters, it was so slow. I mean, I, I, I photographed for skaters between 2010 and 2017 and the skater girls, I very intentionally began photographing for that in 2018 and it came out in 2020. Wow! So I had some girl stuff from before and those are in the skater girl book because they just didn't make the cut in the skater book. Um, so it was actually really great to be able to include them because I loved them. I just, you know, sometimes you just have to edit out photographs that you love, like mm-hmm. just because.
1: Do you think you'd photograph skaters differently if you were shooting on film, like rather than making the ten types, Would you? Have you, you mean with
2: a view camera or with a like a Hasselblad or a, a thirty-five? Um, you know, what? I see both. with a view
1: camera. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um. No, I okay. think I, I think I'd probably shoot the same way. Uh, would I? That's interesting. Um, actually, it's possible I would because I wouldn't have to run into the dark room to process the plate immediately. Like, I could theoretically like set up a shot and do two, you know, mm-hmm. one after the other. Yeah.
1: yeah, maybe I would. Well, so I had a question about East Bay Photo Collective. <laughs> so, um, Eric and I Went to PoloCon and was actually really impressed how close-knit the film photography community was in the Bay Area. It's It was, like, so cool to just meet everybody. They were so nice. Everybody's doing creative stuff. Vince uh, took our portrait, and so we discovered East Bay Collective. And oh, you were
2: walking in Chinatown together, and he was making your Polaroid. Okay. Yes. Yep. I, I remember that moment. Okay. Uh-huh. Yes.
1: So – Tell us about your role uh, with The Collective.
2: I learned about it, I guess, four years ago. When, once I found out, out about Epco, I was like, okay, I really need a community. I was definitely feeling like I need to needed to make more of an effort to engage with fellow photographers to enrich my life. And so I started going and it was really fun and it was, you know... Um, and there were photo walks and social things and um show and tells and i just kept going and kept going and was meeting people and it was great and then the pandemic hit and we they started doing show and tells online uh twice a week for 3 months wow and they were like keeping us going and it was like really great it was really great i'm a catering chef so when that when it hit, I had no work. Like I wasn't working from home. I was on unemployment. It was actually awesome. I really enjoyed my time. I worked my ass off. I made a lot of work. I published the book. I made new work. I was super involved in Epco. Anyway, I'm digressing, but anyway, so Epco. Yeah. So we're ha- we had all these online things and I was going all the time. And then I think actually maybe before the pandemic I might've asked, like shown interest in being on the board or the executive committee or whatever. And so I kind of got more involved in that way. So I was on the executive committee and I was at like every single show and tell. And then I joined the board. I think that must've been during the pandemic. And then also I started taking over as the show and tell host because Vince had a lot on his plate. He and Anita were doing all of that. And he was like, yeah, we can keep doing it. Do you want to be the one who kind of does it? And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Like, what else am I going to do? Or, you know, we're in shelter in place. Like, of course, something else. So I took that on. Uh, so then I was just much more involved in that way. And then I joined the board and then I was actually elected president of the board. So I'm the president. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Congratulations!
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you worked your way right up the ladder.
2: <laughs> yeah. So Epco really like, it was like, let's, let's create a new community. Let's raise money and open up a space that has a dark room that has classes. What do we want this? And it's a real grassroots effort and we're really building it from the bottom up. And I just decided that it was important to me and I wanted to get involved, you know, as, you know, as much as, they would let me as much as I could, kind of a thing. And, if, and you know, with the pandemic, it just was like, yeah, what else am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And I believe in it, you know? Yeah.
1: yeah. It's nice to see an area doing that. And I hope that it could be something that maybe more places can model uh, you know, because we, we have photographers that listen from all over uh, that probably would love to do something similar to it. So, you know, if you get enough people involved, even if it's just, you know, just the small, the minimum, getting a, a photo walk once a month yeah, together.
2: I mean, photo walks, I mean, they are so fun. And Anita's always, like, headed those up. And, mm-hmm. you know, we meet on Sundays at 1. We mm-hmm. walk until 3. The destination is always at a bar or somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so we hang out and we socialize those of us who have made Polaroids share the Polaroids. Like Mm -hmm. it is so chill and just so fun. And Mm there is no expectation. It's just like, let's go wander around and take pictures. And that creates community.
1: It's really neat. It's really neat. I think it's, it's great what you guys are doing and, um, you definitely have to kind of keep in touch with you to see uh, how things are going and kind of give everybody a chance to maybe come check you guys out if they're in town. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking <laughs> with us today. Um, we are going to unfortunately let you go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, where can where can our listeners see more of your work?
2: Well, I mean, I have a, a website, JennySampson.com. Then I have Two Instagrams, Jenny Sampson Photography and also Jenny Ruth 22. The Jenny Ruth 22 was my very first account. It used to be private. It is pretty much all iPhone photography. And the Jenny Sampson Photography is the professional one. And then I'm also in a a collective called Rolls and Tubes, which was born out of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And that also lives on Instagram, uh, Rolls underscore and underscore tubes.
1: Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, have a good night and thank you so much for talking with us. And uh, yeah, we'll keep, let's keep in touch. Definitely. Yes. Okay. Great. Right. It was great to see you again.
0: It was awesome seeing you. Thank you.
1: Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
0: Pretty much the only film-related anything that you can still buy at your local drugstore is the disposable camera. First released by Fuji in 1986 and then by Kodak a year later, all modern disposable cameras are basically the same. Cheap plastic cameras with a single shutter speed and a single aperture that were originally designed to just be thrown away after a single use.
1: Since the 80s, some had flashes, some were waterproof, and others shot panoramas. But no matter what features were added, the only feature that really mattered was that they were disposable. After shooting the roll, you took the entire camera to the lab, they opened it up, removed the film, and tossed the camera.
0: Fuji's offering wasn't the first single-use camera. It wasn't even the first camera designed to be thrown away, but it marked a drastic change in photography at a time when cameras were becoming increasingly complex. Simple point and shoots weren't really simple anymore. The SLRs, like the Canon EOS, were more machine now than manual.
1: But this wasn't the first time that regular photography was too complicated for the general public. And it wasn't the first time that camera companies saw this problem and figured out a way to fix it.
0: From the very beginning of photography, shooting and developing pictures yourself was a huge pain in the ass. The cameras were complicated, unwieldy, and expensive. The film wasn't film, it was glass or tin. And developing was dangerous, highly flammable, toxic, and required a cadre of chemicals with names like pyrogallic acid, sulfate of uranium, and chloroplatinate of mercury.
1: But then in 1888, the Eastman Dry Plate and Film Company from Rochester, New York, released a camera called the Kodak, a wooden, leather-covered box with a single shutter speed and a single aperture. Inside was a roll of film, invented a few years earlier by Eastman long enough to take a hundred pictures. There was no focusing, no metering, hell, since the photos were round, there wasn't even a need to level. Now, there was
0: a single-use camera called the Ready Photographer, and that's all the PHs or Fs in that one for some reason introduced two years before the Kodak, but it was a pinhole camera that took a single photo on a single plate and almost nobody bought it and really nobody remembers it. So we'll just move on.
1: Anyway, how the Kodak worked was a bit of marketing genius by George Eastman. Straight off the shelf, it came preloaded with a huge roll of film. Remember, I said a hundred pictures. The camera itself was sealed and there was no easy way to remove the film yourself.
0: When you were finished taking pictures of your Oscar Wilde cosplay parties or whatever, you'd send it back to Eastman. The camera cost $25, but that included processing, though $25 would be around $700 in today's money, so this wasn't a cheap venture. And for only $2 more, which really was about $50 now, you could have the camera reloaded and do the whole thing again and again, And after the initial $25 investment, it would cost you about two cents a photo.
1: Reactions to this camera were mixed. Most stuffy photographers, that era's gatekeepers, looked down upon it.
0: If there's anything to be despised,
1: said one uptight member of the Pacific Coast Amateur Photographic Association of San Francisco,
0: it is a man with a Kodak. I think a Kodak picture is a little better than nothing at all, but not very
1: much. Likely anticipating this eye rolling reaction, Eastman marketed the new Kodak to women, or really, they marketed it to men to buy for women. In, in an ad for New York Centennial Parade in 1889, it read
0: Do you march in one of the regiments on Tuesday? Your wife can take your picture as you pass her. Have you representation in the Civic Parade? The smallest girl in your employ can give you a picture.
1: This campaign worked. Almost immediately, in an 1890 article entitled, Woman's Work, Few Skilled Photographers of the Gentle Sex. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Sorry, I cannot, like, just read that and be like, ugh! It wasn't like, a few skilled photographers of the gentle sex. It really
0: did mean there aren't really many, so...
1: After complaining that hardly any women would take the time to learn the complicated science of photography, the writer seemed relieved to pen.
0: The advent of the Kodak camera has brought about a new era for women photographers. The publicity attended upon using a tripod camera was harrowing to the extreme to the sensitive woman. By the time an operator has her view fixed and focused, she is the center of an admiring crowd of small boys and idlers. But the Kodak appeals to women's souls As she can work quietly Without anyone's being the wiser for it (laughs) Which is
1: really shitty (laughs) Right? (laughs) At that time, I guess (sighs) We were already used to that shit I mean It's still going on Fuck it I mean, essentially (laughs) it
0: was If a woman has a tripod Men are gonna fuck with her Yeah, basically So she should carry a Kodak because men won't notice her. And I can just imagine this just all going down, really.
1: Dear diary, I decided after brunch with Miss Bradley to expose some plates in Central Park. The air was crisp and the park was quiet. And most importantly, the light was heavenly. Finding myself a precious spot along the circuit, I undid my bundle, erected my tripod, and placed the Thornton Pickard upon it. With lens mounted, I threw a dark cloth over myself and camera and peered through the glass. I immediately sensed eyes upon me. Emerging from under the cloth, I discovered a man, of course, staring at me. Again. This is becoming as regular as these flowers in springtime. In an attempt to ignore his presence, I returned to my work, framing and focusing upon the spring blooms, backlit by the morning sun. At once came a tiss tis and then, as always, the advice unasked for and freely given. I say, madam. That's quite the contraption you've mixed yourself up in. Are you in need of assistance? No, thank you, was my reply. Short and final. I was finished, but he was not. Are you certain? He went on. What is your aperture? F-16, I returned. Hmm. No, he mused. No, that is wrong. All wrong. I believe it must be F-8. My meter says as much. I then suggested we compare meters. Oh, blubbered the buffoon of a man. I haven't got mine here. I always take a reading before leaving the house. Then I don't carry it around with me all day. Wishing more than anything for him to disappear in a puff of mercury, I lied about agreeing and promised to accept his prescription. Vindicated, he bade me a good morning and I adjusted my aperture back to F-16 and made the exposure.
0: Dear diary, upon my morning constitutional, I came across a woman attempting to maneuver a large view camera. Why she wasn't toting around a brownie, I do not know. I watched her, knowing that at any moment, she should cry out for help. Seeing her in the throes of a critical struggle, though silent, I kindly offered my advice. At first, she graciously declined, but upon asking once again, it was discovered that her aperture settings were wrong, all wrong. For while she might have fumbled with the light meter before my arrival, I was smart enough to examine the light before leaving home. I determined that an aperture of F8 was appropriate, but she, in her amateuric ways, mistakenly set it to F16. She must have been able to sense my proficiency in these matters, for she heeded my advice. Thank the heavens that I was there, else her little picture, as well as her entire day, might be ruined. I bade this suffragist a good morning and continued my
1: stroll. So because men were shitty, Eastman invented the Kodak. But within a few years, Eastman phased out the sealed camera and encouraged everyone, including men, to develop their own photos or take them to a local lab. Eastman produced other Kodaks that could be loaded and unloaded by the photographers themselves. The Kodak
0: camera was the first single-use camera on the market. While it wasn't disposable and was actually built incredibly well, it was meant for the customer to use once and return. And for a bit extra, they could get it back, or probably one like it. But this kicked off a revolution in photography, essentially inventing the snapshot. From now on, as Eastman and other companies released millions of small box cameras, photography was meant for the masses.
1: Though the Kodak returnable camera and the plastic disposable cameras a century later both filled the need for simple cameras, other similar cameras were introduced along the way. And though they had almost zero impact upon the history of photography, let's pour out a little developer for them. Nobody
0: tried anything like this again until the late 1940s.
1: No loading, no unloading. The picture box camera is a successful new idea.
0: Or so read the ads. This cardboard camera, known as the picture box, held enough medium format film for 7 Three and a half by three and a half pictures for 69 cents plus six cents postage. You could send away for the picture box. And like the Kodak several decades before it, that price included processing and printing.
1: The picture box manufacturing company out of New Orleans lasted for maybe a year. The cameras themselves were destroyed by the company when retrieving the film, making them the first truly disposable cameras.
0: Shortly after the demise of the photo box came the photo pack, P.A.C., and it followed a nearly identical business model. Alfred D. Weir, the designer of the photo pack, was convinced of two things. First, that people who don't own cameras wish they did. And second, that people who do own cameras often leave them at home.
1: For some reason, Weir figured that his photo pack camera would solve these problems. He also reasoned that people were lazy and modern cameras were a bit complicated.
0: And so, at the 1948 Texas State Fair, Weir introduced his new camera, the disposable Photo Pack. Like the Kodak and the picture box, it came preloaded with film. And once shot through, the customer mailed it to Weir's company, who processed and printed the film. The first Photo Pack ads read
1: Photo Pack is the world's newest snapshot sensation. Loaded at the factory with high-quality roll film and sealed. It's ready for instant use. Snap eight exposures. Write your name and address on the outside and mail it with a six cent stamp. Price only 98 cents, includes eight enlarged glossy prints rushed back to you postpaid.
0: And this wasn't such a bad deal. The $1948 would be just over $11 in today's money and $11 for a disposable camera plus eight prints and processing would be kind of unheard of today. I mean, disposable cameras go for what, 15?
1: At least, yeah
0: processing for them is at least 15.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you want prints.
0: (laughs) I know everybody talks about film is cheaper these days, you know, adjusted for inflation than it used to be, but maybe not all the time.
1: The cameras themselves took 35 millimeter and they were constructed of cardboard and wood with a shutter speed of one twenty fifth of a second and an aperture of F 16.
0: Weir immediately expanded his business, taking out ads for distributors all over the country. Once distributorships were established, they took out their own ads looking for sales and inundating local newspapers with advertisements. An unimaginable buttload of money must have been dumped into this.
1: In Nebraska alone, the Photo Pack ads ran in well over two dozen newspapers in February of 1950. Everyone from Tobias Times to Lawrence Locomotive were running their ads. Except these weren't really ads, but pre-written pieces meant to look like regular newspaper articles. Hmm.
0: The articles, entitled Mailbox Camera reported that
1: a small new unique patent camera already loaded with 35 millimeter film can be purchased at your local drugstore department store gift shop grocery store filling station or variety store for one dollar and 29 the cellophane wrapper removed the cardboard view binder adjusted and boom eight shots made so simple even a child can operate it
0: and yes a dollar The initial price of 98 cents, it was sort of an introductory thing. But still, buck 29, that was pretty cheap. And with a seven cent stamp, you'd mail it back to the company and they'd send you three and a quarter by four and a quarter prints. Irving Disfor, a photography writer for the Associated Press, tried one out for himself. 10 days after shipping the camera off from New York to Texas, he received his prints. Now, he mailed them from New York, they went to Texas, were developed, printed, and returned from Texas to New York in 10 days, in 1950.
1: (laughs) I know. What
0: are we doing wrong?
1: Our postal system is not a business. I'm sorry, but it's a service for the people.
0: Doesn't need to make money. Exactly. Doesn't lose money because it's a public good. The public service. Thank you very much. Okay, sorry. Yes. In his review, Irving said...
1: These will never be entered in any contest, but they show that under the right conditions, pictures can be made by anyone. They are recommended for emergency use by people who do not own conventional cameras and who wish a photo record on the spot. The idea is ingenious, and if it will introduce the idea of picture taking to more people, I'm for it.
0: Uh, He mentioned The emergency use by people, you
1: have one of those, don't you? Yes, I do, actually. I just got one last week when we were talking about this. This
0: is a more modern disposable camera, right?
1: Yeah, it is. It came in an emergency pack. So, like, if you get into a car accident, they give you a disposable camera to take pictures of the accident.
0: Amazing. Did it come with anything else or was it just the, the camera?
1: Well... It's actually a friend of mine. It's been in her husband's work truck for the past like 10 years. Oh, okay. She said it's been sitting in there in the hot sun, just all t- types of weather. She has no idea if there's anything in there. And I said I would give it a try and develop it for was her. Was it used? It
0: was. No. Oh. did he use it for an emergency or was it just like, I want a picture of this?
1: Um, well, so she he has three kids and usually if they're sitting in the truck and they open up the glove box, they probably found the camera mm-hmm. and pictures were taken. That's so. really cool.
0: Hopefully, it comes again. Yeah. <laughs> I really hope so too. In June of 1950, a 12 exposure version of the photo pack was introduced at the price of $1.49. It's 20 cents more. While the extra four pictures would certainly appeal to customers, they, it almost immediately rendered the eight exposure versions as dead stock.
1: The next month, stores were slashing the prices of the old models down to 98 cents in July and 79 cents in August. By that holiday season, the 12 exposure models were being reduced by stores in hopes of unloading them. By Christmas, they were on sale for a dollar. The processing, of course, was still included.
0: Following the holiday season in January of 1951, Hundreds upon hundreds of PhotoPack cameras were being wholesaled off. By May of that year, they were selling for 45 cents apiece. Alfred Weir's dream was at an end. A year later, he was back at his day job, schlepping away like the rest of us.
1: Just as the photo pack arrived on the heels of the photo box, the Encore company released the Deluxe camera just as Photopack was packing it in. The Deluxe was a cardboard box camera with a fancy lizard skin design printed on it. It took eight photos, like the photo pack, but the processing fees were paid by literally cutting the camera open stuffing money inside and sealing it back up and mailing it to the company.
0: This doesn't sound like an incredibly wonderful idea, but I mean, great <laughs> if you're a mailman and you pick up one of these cameras with an address written on it and you shake it and there's a little bit of change in there.
1: think I remember doing that, like putting change in an envelope for like Columbia House or some oh, absolutely. shit. absolutely.
0: <laughs> and there's your lunch for the day. So Right. Good on them. So while Encore probably reused the cameras after a few quick patches, the company lasted almost no time at all. But this returnable camera fad wasn't quite finished. In 1951, as both PhotoPack and Encore were rolling over, a Minnesota-based company called Bureline Industries introduced the unsettlingly, I cannot say that fucking word. (laughs) A Minnesota-based company called Bureline Industries introduced the unsettlingly, god damn. Unsettlingly, unsettlingly named Imp.
1: (laughs) Unlike any of its recent predecessors, the Imp was plastic with a thin cardboard cover. This allowed for a few things. First, only the cardboard cover had to be destroyed to get the film. The camera itself was plastic, and though thin, was reusable until it couldn't be taped back together, which literally is what they did. This allowed the Imp to be used as a promotional item for anyone willing to shell out the cash for it. In most cases, Bureau Line Industries just slapped your company's sticker over their own name, and now it was your very own rebranded camera. This whole thing lasted well into the late 70s. When it was rebranded, the Mini Mate, it was even offered in color film.
0: Along the way, a few other cameras came and went, all plastic. In France, there was the FEX, which used 127 film. And though plastic, it was fully disposed of after a single use. The Technipak from Hong Kong was also plastic, but it was refilled and returned to the customer, much like the original Kodak. Another, marketed in the US as the LOVE camera, took 16 millimeter color movie film and was, like the FEX, fully disposed of during processing.
1: This brings us full circle to 1986, when Fuji introduced the QuickSnap, a 110 disposable camera. It did so well in the Japanese market that they opened it up to the United States the following year. Trying to get ahead of the game, Kodak released their own disposable, a 110 camera called the Fling.
0: Kodak hoped to beat Fuji to the game, but there was a miscalculation. They figured that Fuji would bring their 110 camera to America, which is why Kodak released the 110 Fling. Fuji, however, brought the Ray game, releasing a 35 millimeter disposable. The following year, both companies were cranking out 35mm disposable cameras like plastic grew on trees.
1: Both companies focused upon using them as promotional items and rebranded them for a slew of different purposes. But there was another issue. The late 80s and early 90s was a time when people started wondering if all this plastic shit we're dumping into landfills was a really good idea. Both Fuji and Kodak's original disposable cameras were designed to be broken and thrown away to get the film.
0: By the mid-90s, however, the cameras produced by both Fuji and Kodak were made of 75% reusable parts. There were programs that offered labs five cents per returned camera. Some of the camera pieces could be used a half dozen times until they were fully worn
1: out. Just how many labs took part in this program is unknowable. Neither company made it a prerequisite, nor could they, really. We asked former guest Brandy, who worked in a few corporate and smaller labs in the 90s and early 2000s, what her labs did with disposable cameras. Basically, the employees kept the batteries and the cameras were tossed in the trash.
0: Disposable cameras have stuck around, even through the digital revolution. There's actually more variety now than there was in the 80s, with not only Kodak and Fuji still making them, or at least selling them, but Ilford joining in the game as well.
1: Film's resurgence over the last decade has resulted in the revamping and opening of processing labs. We asked a few of them to tell us what they do with disposable cameras after developing the film in the present time.
0: All of the labs we talked to, well, at least the ones that agreed to talk to us and, and replied, said roughly the same thing. There is apparently, well, we'll let the Icon LA speak for, I guess, for all of the labs. They say basically the same thing. It says, yes, we do collect them after removing the film, and once we have sufficient amount, we ship them to an outside company that repurposes these cameras. They pay us a nominal amount per camera. And they continue, we don't know how much of the disposable cameras they are able to reuse or repurpose, but we try to best remove the 135mm film canisters from the cameras with as little damage to the cameras as possible. And... I guess it's sort of the best that the labs can do. So apparently there's a company or some guy or whatever, who after you get a bunch of cameras together, he'll give you a little bit of money for each of the cameras and then he does something with them. We're Mm. not investigative journalists and this isn't really the most important thing in the whole wide world, but I guess it would be really nice to know what happens to the disposable cameras.
1: I think it's great. It's better than just throwing them away. Yeah. I guess it is. I'm just, yeah, I mean, I'm
0: sure it is. I'm sure it is. But we're doing all this whole whole feature because Kodak is releasing a new disposable camera. In 2022, the thing that they think we need is a disposable single-use plastic camera. People weren't thrilled about that. There was a lot of backlash. And I think it's understandable. I do think it's a little bit of a gray area because I, I do believe that a lot of the At least some of the parts of the camera are reused. Uh, Mm -hmm. Of course, plastic doesn't recycle well at all. And it's much better to not produce more plastic, like much better to not produce more plastic than to recycle plastic. So I don't know. I think it's a misstep on Kodak's part.
1: Yes, of course. Uh, I don't like plastic, obviously. But as far as a business strategy, it seems like it's super safe to do that doesn't seem like a huge investment. Uh, Making a camera is a huge investment, making a brand new SLR with like a light meter and all that stuff. That's that's a big deal. So busting out a couple like disposable cameras, because for the most part, you know, you go to like, you go to urban outfitters and get a freaking disposable camera there for 20 bucks, yeah. And the kids, the kids love them. They do. <laughs> the kids love That's them. Great. So I think it's just kind of um, not such a big commitment, like how it was over 100 years ago, people that have cameras sometimes forget them at home. Yeah. And having a disposable camera in the glove box in your car. Yeah, probably not the best choice. But fuck it. I mean, I stick my cameras in my wetsuit and surf with them, my disposables
0: yeah yeah I don't know. I think you know if if you see a disposable camera at a antique store or thrift store or even a used one at a camera store pick it up. there's no reason not to. I think you mm-hmm. should you know, use them before the film goes bad.
1: yeah uh, I've gotten I still have a few left over that some of our listeners have given me, which I absolutely appreciate. of course, thank you so much.
0: but as for when it comes to the new ones, maybe just don't
1: well whether or not you plan on using disposable cameras. It looks like they are still hanging out a hundred years later. And that's,
0: maybe that's sort of the problem. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like lately we've been getting a lot of zines to review and we're kind of piling up. So we we probably should be doing more than two zines this episode, but here we are, two zines. (laughs) So what have you got for us, (laughs) Vanya?
1: I want to give people their moment. I don't want to rush through them. (laughs) All right. Well, I have Portrait of a City by Ben Yant. I've had this for a couple weeks, so I'm really excited to finally review it. This is the second zine I've received from Ben, and even though these were shot during the pandemic days, there's an obvious distinction between his first one and this one. So, his first one was a lot of cars, parked, kind of still and more calm. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love pictures of cars, always and forever. Uh, Portraits of the City is more alive and moving, even with the indoor dining not happening and everyone masked up, Ben seems to make a significant shift in his photography. He engages strangers for a chance to get a picture of them and you can see it in their eyes they were all happily obliged. This is a half-size zine in full color and the colors are wonderfully vibrant. On the last page he graces us with a wonderful photo index with camera specs, and film for each page of the 43. If you were wondering what Cinestill 800 looks like at 1600, Ben has some wonderful examples. Thank you, Ben, for sending this zine to me. It w- has been such an honor to receive your zines and see your latest work and kind of see what you've been up to. I just hope you continue to photograph, my friend. If you would like a copy, you could contact Ben at inkedbendental at gmail.com or on Insta at benyantdds.
0: I am doing Bulldoze Future number three by Ryan Burkbile Berkbile? Number three. What if the middle E is silent? Hard to say, but it's by Ryan. And so, I think Vanya has reviewed the past the past uh, Bulldoze Future zines, I think. Yep. But today, mm-hmm. I'm going to take a crack at it. Yes, Ooh. and Like his first two zines, Bulldoze's future is filled with photos of abandoned homes and towns in Korea. But I think I'm seeing like a slight shift happening with this one. The photos seem more constructed than taken. Like the shots are not quite set up, but it's very well composed almost in like a theatrical way. He's not simply taking snapshots of broken stuff, but almost gathering the pieces together to be photographed. There's a chair halfway through a vinyl-coated window opposite a small image of an angel lying on broken glass. There's another one where it's like a dead bird with a decaying microphone next to its bill opposite a blue statue of some kind, staring at at both intently as if he's interviewing that little crow. Poor little guy. Farther back in another spread, a mural of Jesus eyeballs a waitress hanging on a sign above a broken chrome awning. In another appearance, the son of God, this time in a partially smashed stained glass, gazes in horror at a tombstone knocked over and itself partially buried. There's so much to see in this. Every every spread is just is a very complex array of like colors and, and shapes. And it's really a lot to take in. And I think the more Ryan photographs for the series, the more cohesive his vision uh, is becoming. It's, it's, It's neat to see that. You get one zine from somebody and you can't really see where they are. And even two, it's hard to kind of tell if they're gonna go in that direction or what they're gonna do. When you get three zines from somebody, you can trace the line of, I know of their thoughts and and of their mm-hmm. and how they're growing as uh, as an artist. It's really nice to see. I like seeing that.
1: I get excited when they come in the mail. I I know the envelope. Yeah. <laughs> when I see it, I'm like, oh, yep. oh I got another one. <laughs> um, something about other people's trash is so interesting to me, and I'm not meaning the zine. I mean, like the actual trash, like the things that people leave behind, because yeah. these buildings are like abandoned. Mm-hmm. So people have taken the things that they felt like they like they meant the most to them and everything else is just abandoned yeah so it's so neat to see like what people leave behind and how things kind of get like mixed up together and and these scenes kind of just like create itself and you're just like oh my god this is like so crazy
0: it is it is
1: <laughs> and funny so you
0: can and you should seek this out visit his website longdistancerunner.org or his Instagram at longdistancerunner, where the O in long is actually a zero.
1: Mm All through a lens is brought to you by our lovely patreon subscribers patreon helps us pay for hosting books our newspaper.com account for research audio equipment and much much more oh God, <laughs> sorry wow. i know i'm i'm so annoying right now and i apologize uh we would like to thank our subscribers for their support we couldn't do it without you <laughs> and if you
0: like bonus episodes if you like full-length interviews including the full-length interview with jenny sampson which is so much fun. It was so hard to edit that one down because it's an hour and a half of pure wonderfulness. We've got those. We have some extra nonsense. So if you like all that stuff, you can become a Patreon subscriber and get it. We've got three different levels of support with the cheapest being less than a buck an episode.
1: So head over to patreon.com slash all through a lens for more info.
0: Hey, Vanya. What does your next week look like, uh, film photographically speaking?
1: Collecting some old frames and printing out pictures. Hmm. Uh, I've been getting in the darkroom a little bit, doing a little bit of printing, so I'm going to continue on that path. Uh, Yeah, just printing work and filling up frames. I'm going to be um, kind of creating a couple walls for people, and I'm really excited about it. That's really cool. And by creating walls, I mean like a photo spread on someone's wall. So kind of like not only art, but some of my photography as well and stuff like that. Um, New project, super fun. I had a few people ask me about my portraits project actually today. And since the interview, it's been like burning in my stomach how important it is for me to start organizing things. So um, I am going to make some sort of journal slash photo release kind of book, where I can get people to sign their name for the photo release, but also give me their name, email address and phone number. So I can contact them after I take their portrait. So I can ask them the questions and stuff like that. Because it's not going to just be a portrait. It's going to be a little bit more than that. So yeah, um I got to just kind of figure out how I'm going to get that together. Yeah, excited. How about you?
0: It's that time of the year again, where I have to decide whether I'm gonna stick with Flickr. And they decided for me. I missed the, the the cutoff date, whether I'm staying or not. And I'm staying for another year, apparently. It's also around that time of year where I have to figure out if I'm staying with the company that prints my photos, unit prints. The quality is really nice. I like the quality a lot. The yeah. user interface is angel fire good it's like it's a GeoCities site it's awful it's i don't understand how they're in business it's that bad
1: mm, you should see their the color rose it's way worse really you have no idea oh my god so unit prints is like the easier version color rose is like way harder but their prints are so good so is there any company <laughs> out
0: there that has a decent user interface it, uh, it can offer prints uh, for uh, competitive prices and is easy to use for the customer and for me. Also, one of the problems with unit prints, and I've talked to them about this and I got a bizarre answer. If you're a Canadian and you want some prints shipped to you, if a normal person ships them to you, the actual price of the shipping is is a little higher than the US, but not horrible. What they do is they charge you the most expensive international rate that they can. That they can that's out there. And so they have one international rate for everything. And they told me this, this isn't me figuring this out. They were just like, oh yeah, this is what we do. <laughs> I'm like, that's really horrible. That's a horrible thing to do. On top of that, their international rates are a lot higher than the post office. So maybe there's a company out there that has a printing center in, in Europe. I don't know, cause I've lost a few orders for prints from uh, people in other countries because the shipping was too much. I don't know. I'll probably stick with unit prints because I've already figured it out. So why not? But if you have any other ideas, I'm here for it. And coming up on the next Dev Party is We Don't Know. We'd like to say it's FX1, and it could be.
1: Are we still saying we're going to do that? (laughs) I have it. I think
0: you have it somewhere. I would like to do it. This is the last episode of the front half of our third season. This means we're going to take a little break. We'll probably come back in end of January. We will definitely be spreading the news about that when that happens. You will not miss it.
1: What do you mean break exactly? How many weeks are we
0: actually taking we're off? We're taking probably a month off. So about a month. About a month off. We will still be doing dev parties, uh, which is probably just like two of them or something. You're not, we will be back. We're just taking a little bit of time off over the holidays to sort of decompress and figure out where we're going from here for the next part of the season.
1: Yeah, doing a little bit of pre-planning and uh, hopefully some playlists. It's been a minute.
0: Jesus, it really has been.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um... On that, is there anything else you got to (laughs) say? Thank you for listening to All Through a Lens. If you'd like to contact us, we're at allthroughalens.podcast on Instagram. By email, it's allthroughalens.podcast at gmail.com. And we're at allthroughalens on Twitter. You can also check out our show notes on allthroughalens.com.
0: Vanya is at Sir Martian.
1: And Eric is at conspiracy.of dot
0: cartographers both on Instagram and speaking of Instagram
1: make sure to hashtag your stuff hashtag
0: all through a lens podcast to be featured
1: we also do a Spotify playlist for each episode so check those out and see what we're listening to just search all through I wish that were
0: true. You can also find our episodes on Spotify, as well as on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and wherever the hell else you find your podcasts. Subscribe to us and leave us a review.
1: The music you're hearing now is from Last Regiment of Syncopated Drummers, which you can find at lastregiment.com.
0: And thank you all so much for listening. We love you, and we will see you next week at Dev Party. Anya.
1: Yes. Do you
0: want to go out and shoot? Fuck yeah, I do. Let's go.
1: My washing machine is like dying. (laughs) Hold on. Oh my God. Oh shit. I'm going to eat a seed.